Section 27 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Antonia by George Sand. Translated by George Burnham Eves. Chapter 6, Part 4. "'Justify yourself if you can,' retorted Marcel boldly. "'For if you have behaved as you seem to have done, "'you are a detestable fellow, "'and every honourable woman insulted by you has the right to tell you so. "'In what have I insulted her? "'I have insulted nobody. "'I saw that she was ruining herself. "'I tried to prevent her from... "'From ruining herself. "'You are talking nonsense, my dear uncle.' There are some dangers which a woman like her, in whose presence we are, does not know, and never will know. Ah, yes, that is all talk. I am not to be put off with phrases learned in books, I tell you. When a woman makes appointments with a young man— Appointments? Where did you pick up such foolish stuff? The man who told you that lied in his throat. You are the one who lies. "'You are the confederate, the obliging friend. "'Be careful, uncle. "'Death of my life you'll make me lose my temper. "'Lose your temper if you choose. "'I saw you myself coming out of the theatre. "'Well, what then? "'My wife—oh, your wife, your wife's a fool. "'I saw Julian come out, too. "'Julian was not with us.' He had no more idea that we were downstairs than we had that he was in the gallery. Besides, even if he had been with us, what is this mania of yours for incriminating? Incriminating, interposed Monsieur Antoine, all whose errors in language we do not attempt to reproduce. I incriminate what is incriminatable. And what about the long walk at night, arm in arm? from the Hôtel d'Ormonde to the pavilion, where Madame remained, by the way, till three o'clock in the morning. Madame André may have been present at the conversation. I don't deny that. But that's another reason for incriminating, as you call it, you ass of an attorney. And all the meetings in the garden in the evening, when Madame never goes in till two o'clock, often later— "'Where do you pick up this servant's gossip?' cried Marcel indignantly. "'These antechamber slanders.' "'I don't go into antechambers, and I don't get my information from servants. "'I have my own little police. "'I am rich enough to pay shrewd ones who watch and tell me the truth. "'As to that, I don't make any secret of it. "'I wanted to find out Madame's sentiments.' the reasons for the affront she put upon me by employing Master Julian to show me the door. That was my right. And if I revenged myself as I could, that too was my right. Madame d'Estrée, being determined to tell everything and to take all the consequences, listened to Uncle Antoine with proud impassibility. The brutality of his language, which she attributed to chronic madness— and excused because of his lack of education, did not wound her like the premeditated, deliberate impertinence of the Marchioness. Marcel, 
who watched her during his uncle's fine discourse, mistook the disdainful serenity of her smile for a denial more eloquent than any words could be. "'Why, look at her!' he cried, shaking the rich man to make him hold his peace. "'Observe the paltry effect of the fables and lies you have been made to swallow. "'You cannot bring the faintest flush to her brow, "'and her silence confounds your brutal eloquence.' "'I will speak in a moment,' said Julie. "'Let Monsieur Thierry go on. "'As you see, he does not anger me. "'And I am waiting until he has finished his account of my conduct "'and has given me an account of his.' "'You are under the ban of my indignation, Monsieur Antoine Thierry. "'Do not forget it. "'You claim that you do not deserve it. "'It remains for you to prove that to my satisfaction.' "'The old man was confounded for a moment. "'Then, having determined upon his course, he replied, "'Very well. "'Despise me if you choose. "'I don't care much about that. "'I have my own esteem, and that's enough for me. I was angry, true. I talked about you angrily, vindictively, I don't deny it. And yet I don't hate you. And it rests with you whether you will have me for a friend. Confess before imploring absolution, said Marcel. What has happened? What have you done? Tell us. What has happened? This is what has happened, Mordi. Chance helped me to vent my bile. The dowager Madame d'Estrée sent to beg a favour of me. Two or three days before her husband's death, they sent to ask me to come to her house. I had known her a long while, because she once sold me some land, none too dear. She wasn't so shrewd in business then as she is today. She said to me, My husband won't last long. I inherit his property. "'but I don't pay his son's debts "'unless the countess turns over her dower to me. "'And to force her to do it, "'I propose to buy up the claims. "'Lend me the money, "'and you shall have part of the plunder. "'I will pay you well for obliging me.' "'Excuse me, madame,' I said. "'I want to make that lady feel "'that I have her in my power, "'but I want to be able to forgive her "'if it suits me.' "'And that it was. "'Aha! "'What have you got against her?' "'And to that I answered, "'I have what I have. "'Indeed. "'No. "'Tell us. etc., etc. "'In short, from one thing to another, "'from one word to another, "'I unbosomed myself, "'and I told her that I tried to be your friend, "'and that you treated me like a pirate, "'and all because you had let yourself "'be drawn into the intrigues "'of Madame André Terry.' who wanted to marry her son to a great lady from vanity, and to have somebody else do as she did, like the wolf in the fable, who had his tail cut off, so they say. And the Marchioness was very glad to learn of the adventure, and made me say more than I meant to, perhaps, although I took pleasure in telling it to her. At last, to wind up, she said, Monsieur Thierry, you must let this fine marriage go on. It suits me. "'But it don't suit me,' said I. "'Bah! You are in love with her at your age. "'Spite! Jealousy! Can you think of such things?' "'No, madam, I am not in love at my age, "'but at any age it makes a man angry to be fooled, "'and I have been fooled. "'I am not a bad man, but I am powerful, 
and I propose that they shall find it out. It isn't proper for me to persecute her myself. But when you have worried her well, since it amuses you, I propose to pardon her if she asks me to. Very well, very well, said the Marchioness. I swear to deal fairly with you as a good friend. Lend me the money. Here's my note, and you have my word. The lady sent for me again after the Marquise was buried. I knew some fine stories about the goings-on here, and I told her everything, and it relieved us both to slaughter the Countess. Then the dowager said to me, Revenge yourself. I am going to hunt her down to the last ditch. And I still said, All right. But let me know. I intend to redeem if she mends her ways. Now, the excellent dowager deceived me. But I arrived in time. Everything's at an end between us. She's a crafty woman. She shall pay me for it. That's all I say. You don't tell us everything, uncle. There was something else between you. You said to her just now, it depends on you whether everything is settled. That's my affair. It doesn't concern you. Pardon me. She answered never with such evident temper. She's an old fool. But what question did that answer? Oh, go to the devil. Why do you put your nose in? Come, admit that the affair is complicated by another scheme. No, I tell you. Marcel persisted. Uncle, said he, the thing is clear enough to me. As you were unable to marry a countess, you concluded to marry a marchioness. Well, that scheme was more sensible than the other. Your ages and your fortunes are more in harmony. But I see that you failed there also. She led you on by some sort of hope in order to get a little of your money. But she went on working on her own account, underhandedly and without your knowledge, to obtain possession of the countess's property. And if you had arrived a minute later, the thing would have been done, and you would be neither married nor revenged. Antoine listened to this homily with his head dropped on his breast, in the attitude of meditation, but furtively watching the smile of surprise and irony which Madame d'Estrées could not hide. "'And as far as not being married to that old shark goes,' he said, rising, "'I thank the good Lord with all my heart.' But as to the revenge I propose to have here, why, I'll have it, and the devil himself should not deprive me of it. Tell us about your revenge, said Julie, with the utmost tranquillity. Who told you that it concerned you? cried Uncle Antoine, whose tongue always became loosened sooner or later. Look you, there are three of you women who have gulled me as if I was a little boy. Women can't do anything else. The first was Madame André long ago, who called me her brother and her friend, and gave me confidence. The second was you, who called me your good friend and excellent neighbor, so as to coax me to give your lover something to marry on. The third, oh, she called me her dear monsieur and her generous creditor, but she's the worst of the three, because she only wanted to pluck me like the avaricious vixen she is. So she will have to pay for the other two. As for you, Madame d'Estrée, 
I excuse you and I forgive you. Love makes people do idiotic things. But at all events, it's love, a thing which, so far as I can see, muddles the brain and makes the reason limp. Well, let it go. Give me back your friendship, and let us hear no more of marriage, with me or with the other. I still wish you well, and I will prevent you from taking my nephew the painter, because my nephew the painter betrayed me, and because it isn't suitable for you to marry a painter. Come, come, said Marcel, interrupting him. You were beginning to talk sense, but now your mania is taking hold of you again. That seems to be a fixed idea with you. Where the devil did you fish up that fancy? Stay, said Julie. Let us put an end to this. You and I are at cross-purposes, Monsieur Marcel. I am tired of pretending when my heart is sincere, and when I have already told the Marchioness my intentions clearly enough in your presence. So let me speak now, and inform you both that my marriage to Julien Thierry is a thing determined, and that we are irrevocably pledged to each other. Yes, Marcel, you will be my cousin, and you, Monsieur Antoine, will be my uncle. You have been very accurately informed, and you can pay your spies handsomely. Now that my statement is made, you will see that I am forced to withdraw the expressions I use to characterize your conduct toward me. Whatever you may do henceforth, my respect for our relationship must close my mouth. You are at liberty to abuse me, to slander me and to ruin me. I shall no longer say a word in reply to you, but I shall not implore your favor either. I have nothing to ask at your hands, and the more you oppress me, the more you will increase my gratitude and esteem for the man who is willing to bear the burden of my destiny. Surprise had struck Marcel dumb. His uncle, who had glanced at him at first with an air of triumph, and had seen that his amazement was entirely sincere, became gloomy and irritated anew when Madame d'Estrée defied him thus to his face. "'So that's all over, is it?' he said, rising. "'You have made up your mind, and you don't choose to listen to my last propositions?' "'Yes, indeed,' replied Marcel. "'Say on. "'I do not myself approve of all Madame d'Estrée's ideas, "'and I notify her in your presence "'that I shall fight against the idea of this marriage. "'So speak. "'Supply me with the arguments.' "'You are on the right side this time,' rejoined Monsieur Antoine. "'Very well. "'As she turns her head away with an air of obstinacy and contempt, "'for she is a contemptuous creature, that she is,' a niece who will treat me as my honoured sister-in-law did. Do you tell her what I will do if she will give up her dauber of tulips? I will take care of all her debts. I will let her keep her hotel, her garden, her pavilion, her diamonds, her farm and bouvoisie. In fact, everything she has left now. Wait, wait a moment, said Marcel to Julie, seeing that she was about to reply. "'No,' said Julie. "'I will accept nothing from the man who treats Julien and Madame Thierry with such disdain and aversion. "'I care nothing for his insults to me personally. "'I forgive Monsieur for having exposed me to the sarcasms and slanders of the Marchioness and her set. 
but the enemies of those whom I love can never be my friends, and any benefactions from them are an affront which I spurn. Wait, I tell you, cried Monsieur Antoine, stamping on the floor. Have you the devil in you? Do you think that I propose to ruin your friends? Not at all. I will give them the house at Sèvres, which is mine to-day, if you please. I will make them an allowance. I will assure them a good share of my property when I am dead. For I propose to divide it between you and Julien and this ass of an attorney here. So you see, I make you all rich and happy. But on one condition, that the pavilion is to be vacated instantly, and that you swear on your honour, and put your oath in writing, that Madame d'Estrée will never see Monsieur Julien again. This time Julie was speechless. Even if that inexorable old man were really mad, there was a sort of wild grandeur in that munificence, which recoiled at no sacrifice in the effort to assure the triumph of his jealousy. It was a shrewd move, too, to put Madame d'Estrée in a position where her refusal would sacrifice Julien's interests, Madame Thierry's, and Marcel's. The last named at once expressed his views in noble language. Uncle, he said, you can take what measures you please with regard to my future. You know me too well to believe that prospects of that sort will ever have any influence on my conscience. I said just now that I opposed to Madame d'Estrée's determination. I have some ideas thereupon which it is my duty to submit to her even now. But understand this, that if she does not feel disposed to yield to them, I shall never remind her that her resistance may injure me in your mind, that I shall never allow my dealings with her to be influenced by my personal interests. And finally that, if Madame and Julien persist in their purpose of marrying, I shall assist them with my advice and my services, and shall be their friend, kinsman, and servant for all time. Julie silently offered the solicitor her hands. Tears came to her eyelids. She looked at Antoine and saw immovable obstinacy written on his shriveled, sunburned face. Let us go back to Madame Thierry and Julien, she said, rising. It is for them to decide. No, cried Monsieur Antoine. I don't propose to have you take them by surprise. At first blush I know very well that the painter will play the great man, and his mother will put on her grand manners, especially in my presence. And then they'll be on their honour before Madame. They won't want to be left behind in the matter of pride." They will say just what she did, with the right to repent an hour later. But I will wait to see what you all say tomorrow morning. I will come again. Then take my last word, attorney. Do you reflect also, my fine fellow? And then we shall see if the four of you will agree in refusing my present gifts, and what I leave behind me hereafter. Au revoir, Madame d'Estrée. Tomorrow at twelve o'clock, here. Julie, when he had gone, fell back, pale and crushed on her chair. He turned as he was leaving the salon, and satisfied himself that he had succeeded in shaking that haughty courage. Then he went away in triumph. End of section 27